0: You
1: gotta
0: tell somebody. This, this is the most best
2: people. thing I've ever seen. That. Let's talk about that. Let's
3: you talk need about this. That. listen to this. Memorable and exciting. Well, then be less boring. I'm gonna tell everyone. Wait here. Quite a remarkable Big Daddy. Remarkable. Remarkable. Welcome to Remarkable, a podcast for B2B marketers that deconstructs the most iconic moments in film, television, pop culture, and advertising for a single purpose, to give you, the B2B marketer, the same storytelling techniques that the pros use. In each episode, you will learn techniques from Hollywood, Pixar, Marvel, and beyond. From Spielberg's hands to yours, bringing remarkable content ideas to you every single week. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. This is Remarkable. And this week, we're talking about B2B marketing lessons from Pixar's Up and how to use the concept of show don't tell in your marketing.
1: I cried within the first 10 minutes of the movie.
3: That is Meredith O'Neill, our amazing producer extraordinaire for this show and many other shows at Caspian Studios.
1: When I first watched
4: it, it was just super, super sad.
3: That is Anika Das, B2B content marketing manager here at Caspian Studios.
0: If a company made me cry when I went on their homepage, I'd probably, I don't know, I'd be super impressed. Might even buy.
3: That is Colin Stamps, our podcast launch manager here at Caspian Studios And our marketing aficionado.
2: Up is an animated movie from Pixar from 2009.
3: That is Dane Eckerly, head of development at Caspian Studios, and Mr. Hollywood Big Shot movie maker himself.
2: It was directed by Pete Docter and co-directed by Bob Peterson. Both of them wrote the story along with Tom McCarthy. And um, yeah, the movie was really successful, uh, especially for an animated film. It did fantastic, critically. Even the movie won two Oscars. I believe it was Best Achievement in Music Written for Motion Picture, Original Score, and Best Animated Feature Film of the Year. And I think in total it won something like 79 awards and had 87 nominations overall, which was pretty impressive. And it also uh, commercially did really well.
3: And I think one of the reasons for that is one of the most heart-wrenching, gut-punching emotionally tear-jerking scenes in movie freaking history, the first 10 minutes. It is like, talked about all the time as like, if you wanna have a good cry, go watch the first 10 minutes of Up. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today because it exemplifies the term show don't tell, which is something that marketers don't do nearly enough. uh, And it's something that we need to do better. So uh, opening 10 minutes of Up, let's get into it.
1: So the story overall is about this old man named Carl Fredrickson, who's voiced by Edward Asner, and he rigs up his house with balloons.
4: So i you a postcard from
3: Paradise
1: oh. So many balloons that it um, picks the house up off its foundation. He goes on this adventure, but he accidentally takes this young stow away. I think he's a Boy Scout, and his name is Russell, and he's voiced by Jordan Nagai. Good afternoon.
0: My name is Russell, and I am a wilderness explorer in Tribe 54.
1: But the first 10 minutes starts with Carl Fredrickson's Basically his whole life, there's this whole montage of him growing up, but he falls in love with this girl when they're both little kids, and they both have this love for, I think his name is Charles Muntz, and he's a world explorer, and they both have this idea of exploration and um, really look up to him as their hero. Who would dare set foot on this inhospitable summit? Why are a subject today, Charles Muntz? And so they fall in love and end up getting married and buying this house that they used to play in that was sort of decrepit, and they start to um, paint it and make it look nice. And so they have this whole story around this house, this whole love story that goes along with it. And then we find this tragedy where he and his wife are unable to have children, um, but they make this promise to each other to go to a place called Paradise Falls, which is a place that that explorer Charles Muntz had also explored, and so they want to go do the same thing. So they make this promise around it. That's it! You can
0: take us there in a blimp! Swear you'll take us! Cross your heart! Cross it! Cross your heart! Good, you promised. No
1: backing out. There's a reason why they wanted to have this super heavy hitting uh, montage right in the beginning. And that's because it is a children's movie, but it's about this older man. And so they were like, how do we get the audience involved and engaged emotionally? The director, Pete Doctor had this idea, which is what Up was really based on overall, which the single image of a house floating in the sky, buoyed up by balloons and an old man living there. And he had to kind of, based on that image, Answer two questions that came to mind, which is, where is this guy going? And why couldn't he just like take a plane? Um, And so the whole goal of that montage is to answer those questions, which is, he needs to go to Paradise Falls to fulfill his unfulfilled promise to his wife, Ellie, who has since passed away, right? And the other is, um, he's so attached to this house because it was their childhood playhouse.
4: Tell your boss he can have our house. Really? When I'm dead!
1: Through that montage, she's kind of visually training the audience to connect that house with, with Carl's wife and his unfulfilled promise of going to Paradise Falls.
3: It was, first of all, a bold move from a storytelling perspective because when you make a kid's movie, you don't normally start with a... Silent five-minute scene at the beginning. It's not exactly the most common storytelling technique. Kids generally want, you know, fast cuts uh, and lots of crazy things happening, and you know, fart sounds and and all the other things that kids find super funny.
2: For the love of people. Go on into the bushes and do your business. Okay, here,
0: hold my stuff.
3: Which, of course, Disney and Pixar often have some sort of tragic event at the very very beginning of every story to set up the rest of the events. But this was a slow burn. It was a slow burn in in a few different ways because when your protagonist is an old man, in this case, so often in society we see this person as being an old old man, right? You don't think of their whole life. So to tell someone's entire life in five minutes is like pretty crazy, which shows his transformation as a little kid who's afraid of everything, and then, like, meeting someone, and her transforming him.
0: You know, you don't talk very much. I like you.
3: That's a pretty crazy thing to tell in five minutes with no with no dialogue, you know?
2: Oh, yeah. I think it, the placement of it is really cool. This isn't like a, a, you know, 100%, you know, across the board kind of thing. But I feel like the beginning of a moment when you're trying to hook people, that's when you... We kind of get a lot of information usually, like how many movies are like, you're probably wondering how I got here. Like at the very beginning, they're literally telling, not showing or like the, like the scroll at the beginning of like Star Wars or something. It's telling you everything up front. Even Goodfellas is one of my favorite movies. As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. People telling you stuff from the jump. And this is taking the total opposite tact. And I don't know exactly why. Obviously, there's a lot of reasons that people make decisions when they're putting together a project. But... Ian, you highlighted something really cool with, you know, him being an old man. I'm elderly and infirm. And this being like an animated movie that's supposed to be kid friendly. If you have like an older man who's lived an entire life talking about something at the beginning and like doing a VO for his whole life, it's never going to land with kids. Maybe some of the older folks in the audience. But by just part of showing, not telling, especially in this example, it like forces you to fill in the blanks with words that you understand or emotions that you can kind of connect with. And that's what this does so well, which is why like a kid will cry, an older person will cry. Like you're kind of adding your own dialogue and that's what makes it possibly land so hard with people.
3: You could not have had him do VO for this entire sequence because doing the VO from the old man's perspective is you know what is coming right but when you show the entire story without any vo we have no idea where we're going so each thing happens sequentially one after another after another and it builds on itself in a way that is like so painful when certain things happen you know that they want to go to paradise falls and they save up money and they have to break the bank and they save up money and they have to break the bank they're planning for a baby and that doesn't come like it's so like you live it you don't know where this is going you have no idea and then at the end of it when he's ready you know to to take his house and fly away and to fulfill this promise you're like holy i totally get it and so there's a few other things that we want to go into here one of those is sound and meredith uh, i'm curious what you what you think about sound
1: This song wrecked me when I watched it. And I I think there's so much that you can do with music that really can kind of not manipulate, but it can uh, bestow on your audience this, um, you know, certain emotions. And so I was reading about the composer who wrote it. It's an American composer named Michael Giacchino. And the song is called, called Married Life. And he said that during the most emotional times in the movie, it could be easy to overproduce or overcompose the music, make it very dramatic. And he said that in those times, he actually goes the opposite direction and uses simpler music or even silence. So like pauses in the music, slows it down. And you'll notice that there's a real change in the music when they go to the doctor's scene assume that they're getting bad news and they're devastated by the news and you're kind of trying to figure out what's going on there and so it goes from this very like happy upbeat um nostalgic music to devastation very quickly um and they do that all through music and so michael giacchino was kind of trying to ask himself questions like when is it okay to be sad when is it okay to go big um and then he thought well you know, if I were there and if I was in the room, what would I say to them? And so he thought I wouldn't be like, oh my God, that's terrible news. Instead, he would be like, oh, I'm I'm so sorry for you. And so it was that kind of like, pulling it to more like a down-tempo, reverent, and present feel instead of grandiose and overly dramatic or melodramatic.
3: And then what about color and the way that they use that?
1: Yeah, so because there's no dialogue, and actually originally there was dialogue during the montage, and one of the storyboard artists, whose name is Ronnie Del Carmen, is actually a fan of silent films, and he advocated for the dialogue to be removed. And they found that the more that they took out, the more emotional that montage felt. And also they pared it down from like 30 minutes to... Four and a half minutes. So they kind of whittle down, whittle down, whittle down until there was nothing else that they could take out. And so instead of that dialogue, they kind of replace it with music and with kind of like these basic visual cues that anyone could pick up on. So expression is super important. And if you watch it, you'll notice there's not a ton of camera movement. What's really central to each frame is characters' faces. And so you, as the audience, are like picking up a lot on the characters' faces. They also do a lot with just the general shape of each character. So you'll notice, like, Carl is a square. They describe him as being like a brick, and he's kind of like weighed down, resistant to change. And if you hadn't have shown up, none of that is going to happen. Ellie, his wife, is circular. She's softer. She's joyful, right? And they do a lot of that with color, too. So Carl's color is blue. So he's got like the blue balloon when they first meet. It's kind of a masculine color and Ellie's color is pink. And you'll notice after Carl returns home alone, when we assume that Ellie has passed away, there's a pink cast of light on the house. And as he enters the door and shuts it behind him, that pink dims to nothingness. Um, And so it's like very symbolic. So they do a lot with color, shape and music. To convey a message instead of dialogue.
2: Gosh, that is just brutal. This freaking
3: so rough. scene is,
2: it's so rough. <laughs> what you just said is so intentional, Meredith, about that the, the pink light. But it totally. really makes me feel like now more than ever, too, just thinking about the origin of film and and telling stories, especially in like a visual medium. Like it used to be silent films. And then when they added dialogue, they became talkies. So like it started more show, don't tell, then it became something else, obviously, because it just changed, it transformed and evolved. But I feel like now we're at this point where like, even if you just go on TikTok, like they're telling not showing at all, there's someone speaking to you and then there's captions. And then on top of the captions, there's like big text on the screen and you're seeing and hearing everything spoon fed to the point where now I just think like moments like this, at least when I was rewatching up, like it lands that much harder because I'm not used to using my imagination as much. So I feel like this, this sort of takeaway and this sort of technique will work now probably better than it would have 15 years ago because it's just so jarring because people are so used to being spoon-fed stuff so i think it's just all the more relevant today
3: you stole it right out of my mouth dane that's why we wanted to talk about it today right is like this is more powerful storytelling than any marketer is doing right now like full stop right the the four and a half minute sequence is better storytelling than we do as marketers but there's so many things that we have to take from this because so much of the content that people consume is on silent on their phones on mobile. So to use things like the expressions and the colors and the symbolic nature of different things, to tell stories, to use familiar landscapes like we talked about in in the episode of Mean Girls, like this is all so important to use right now. And it's the type of storytelling that marketers need to be doing.
4: From a marketing perspective, definitely like show don't tell, I feel like has been a popular concept or people are always trying to get it right, especially when it comes to I feel like B2C companies always try to sort of do something along the lines of being really, really visual and not saying too much. One example that comes to mind that's really recent is Apple's Apple did an ad on uh, their accessibility features for all of their like Apple products. So iPhone, iPad, laptop, and there was no dialogue. Like it was just a montage of different um, people with accessibility like using really cool features on their phones and tablets that I honestly didn't know existed. So it was really cool just seeing them like go about like day-to-day lives using these features. People think that having a disability is a barrier. but that's not the way I see it. And it just had really powerful music that was playing throughout the background. And like at the end of the ad, like you find out that the music was actually produced by one of the people who was featured in the ads was like a producer and DJ, which was really cool. So they had like no words throughout the whole thing, which was awesome. Stuff like that, like makes a really big impact because your brain is sort of just like, really tuned into just watching it especially if you're a more visual person and i feel like today in the age of like everything is online and everything is digital it takes a lot more effort to capture people's attention so you have to really be able to stand out and b2b companies have definitely like a huge opportunity to do that even like in day-to-day marketing just through like demos and um Other video assets like webinars, customer stories where they're actually like showing people what their product does or what their service does and like showing how it works and how it directly like improves the lives of people is like definitely one way to go about it. But I also think it comes down to B2B companies seeing their audience as people first and not just other businesses, because at the end of the day, you are talking to like people who have like real needs and different personas and like different target audiences and although they are like customers of a business that you're probably trying to sell to they are like the ones that are going to be like watching your ads or like listening to your marketing campaigns
3: yeah i think at the end of the day no matter who you are you're marketing a journey
4: the wilderness must be
3: And just so often we're not doing that. I would urge marketers to look at the the up moment, which is the house in the air with an old man suspended by balloons, which is like how they started this story. It was like, how did he get here? Where is he going? Why is he doing this? Why can't he take a plane? And like, that's the moment that you need to start with as a marketer is like, take a snapshot of your prospect. If it's a B2B company, You know, and it's, you know, whoever it is, the chief of human resources, like, what is the snapshot in time of them doing, you know, at that midpoint in the journey that you want to help them go on, right? And like, that's what they did with Up. And then the other thing that they did, they said, what is this person's backstory? And they made a 40-minute movie about this person's backstory, and then they edited it to four and a half minutes, and like, they... They crafted every scene over and over and over again to get to 40 minutes, and then they're like, shoot, we gotta take this one out, and this one out, and this one out. And they carved it down to four and a half minutes. Like, that is the job of the marketer, right? Tell the entire story, and then edit yourself to get to the four and a half minutes of like the necessary pieces of that, or the 30 seconds of necessary pieces if, it, if it's, you know, something that you're sharing on social. And I feel like that that, that there's so little of that done that we sort of like get to an idea. We say this is good enough or we don't do enough research or discovery about all the customer journey. We don't paint that picture well enough that we could zoom in on a moment in time and tell that specific thing. Oh, well, this is all well and good and everyone's excited about it. But then you go to the board. What happens if the board says, I don't like this idea? Then what do you do? Okay. Well, that CHRO has to go back to the team and say, the board doesn't like this. How can we make it more board friendly or whatever you know, whatever the case is. And I think that that's a key lesson from Up is to say, take that snapshot in time, tell the entire journey, and then figure out
0: what needs to stay and what needs to go. Makes me think of explainer videos that a lot of companies make. Usually they use the explainer video to give kind of the backstory of why customers are using the product or how the product came to fit into the market. You're passionate about what you do. You believe in the
2: power of sponsorship to bring your brand to life, and you strive to make an impact in the community, but you wish you could accomplish more.
0: I feel like a lot of those explainer videos are just put together by a third party real quick just to get up on the homepage. I guess it'd be super cool to put some thought into those. When Meredith was explaining all the different elements that went into the opening scene of Up, the color grading, the sound design, like... That's, that's next level. And that's, those are the components that really make you feel something when you watch it. So I don't know, it'd be cool to see some of those elements being incorporated into more videos.
3: Yeah. If you said to a marketer, now this is generalizing, but like, if you're like, Hey Ian, you're a marketer, go tell me the story of this guy, you know, tell it in four and a half minutes. I would be like, okay, the guy's name, he's Carl Fredrickson. He's 78. He's got big glasses, he's you know kind of short, he uh he has a hearing aid, grumpy guy, super grumpy.
1: Take a bath, hippie.
3: He, you know, sells balloons at the local uh zoo. Like that's how you would tell it. That's how a marketer would tell a story. You just describe the thing. It wouldn't make it a horrible story. The rest of the story is still really fun and interesting. But it's all of the other details of how we saw him get to that point for why he is doing what he's doing, right? Like, start with why, right? That's what, like, you know, Simon Sinek says. And so that's where I think that marketers kind of fall flat. Is like, we just describe the thing. We describe the house. We describe where he's going. Oh, he's going to these falls. But it's like, who cares about an old guy going on a vacation, Right, like that's not a big deal. Like that's not even a fun story or entertaining in any way. It's the reason and the and the backstory and all that other stuff that that comes into play there that makes it remarkable.
4: I think another layer of it is also just being able to be really unpredictable. Like, who would have thought while well, watching up that this old man would befriend like a young kid? Hey, <laughs> you were talking to a rock. And this whole journey unfolds where they become really close, even though he's really, the old man's, like, really annoyed with him. I'm
0: tired and my knee hurts. Which knee? My elbow hurts and I have to go to the
4: bathroom. It's just a beautiful story, but no one would have ever predicted that from the first opening scene especially. So I think like, yeah, and your marketing also just stay unpredictable, like create storylines that kind of like impress people and like take them off their edge.
3: Final piece on this that I think is really interesting is like you could have ended the story with him just leaving on the adventure. Like, that could have been the end. After 10 minutes, the story could have been over. And we would have wondered what happened and all that sort of stuff. But, like, you would get why he would do that. Of course, you have the whole rest of the story. But, like, we still would feel the same emotions. We would still understand why someone would, like, string up their house to to go on this thing. Whether or not he goes and and achieves the goal and all that stuff, of course, we want to know that. But I think that we get so caught up in in telling the end of the story, but it's really where we need to focus more time is on the beginning of the story. And I think that generally speaking, we don't do that quite well enough.
2: I just think the last thing is you just want to feel something with with this sort of technique. It really makes you feel something. I think it really just comes down to like, when you go throughout your day or your life, so much of it is just like you experiencing the world through your senses, kind of what you hear, what you see. You don't kind of take away like, everything from your day just by being told it. And I think that's just a very human thing. It's just to absorb the world around you. So I think part of feeling something is just letting people feel that absorption and like having something just sort of click in that sense versus being told something. And it doesn't just have to be, I know we're talking about up, which is obviously emotional and like a tearjerker way, but like look at any really good horror movie. People aren't running around saying, Oh my God, there's a monster right there and it's scaring me for X, Y, and Z reasons. You just see the thing and you're like, Oh shit, scary run you know like so i think there's a lot of other emotions and a lot of feels that you can get from this technique it doesn't just have to be emotional um and obviously as a company's trying to apply that you don't always want people (laughs) crying when they're thinking about your product but it can be any feeling
0: if a company made me cry when i went on their homepage, i'd probably i don't know i'd be super impressed might even buy
3: i'm hitting request a demo all right (laughs) at least (laughs) make make you cry with those savings you're gonna get (laughs) Uh (laughs) All right. Thanks, y'all. Appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Well, that's it for today. I hope you got some good ideas for your B2B content. Thank you for listening to Remarkable. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. Remarkable is created by the team at Caspian Studios, B2B podcast as a service. Caspian also creates fiction series for B2B companies. So if you want a business thriller, you can learn more at CaspianStudios.com. Hollywood style storytelling for B2B. And in today's episode, you heard from myself, Ian Faison, Colin Stamps, our podcast launch manager, Anika Das, B2B content marketing manager, and Meredith O'Neill, senior producer here at Caspian Studios. Remarkable was produced this week by Meredith O'Neill, mixed by Scott Goodrich, and our theme song is Solomon by Falak. Be remarkable and rise above the noise.